0: I want to be a billionaire I ain't getting no sleep Till I see a milli every week I want to be a billionaire I ain't getting no sleep Till I see a billy every week I want to be a billionaire Billionaire, I want to be a billionaire Billionaire, I want to be a billionaire Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Stop the Bank ENT TV Now my next guest is a well-rounded comedian, actor, writer I'm sure you've seen him on Def Comedy Jam. If you live in L.A., he's tearing up the streets in every comedy club. You'll see his name on the bill. You've seen his work on Cop Out with Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan. Ladies and gentlemen, Corey Hernandez.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Damn, that was a nice intro, bro. Thank you, man. You know, I've been
0: working on it all all last night. (laughs) (laughs) For real, because I was like, yo, who else he got on this show tonight? (laughs)
1: This definitely ain't me.
0: <laughs> nah, man, I, de- I definitely, uh, like I said, I've been a fan of your work for a while, man, and um, I definitely think you're a great representation of Latino excellence, you know, coming out here chasing your dreams, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing the same thing, and you're really making a mark in this comedy game, you know what I'm saying? I'm proud of you, brother, and I wish you much success. Appreciate you, you know my man, I mean?
1: appreciate you.
0: For real, for real, man. So tell me, what what made you decide to make comedy
1: your career goal? Um... <sighs> You know how, like, a lot of people say they do it for the love and the passion and, you know, because it's what they love? Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to get a real day job. Hey. (laughs) Fuck the love, fuck the passion. I ain't want to get a job. (laughs) It was my way out. Right, right. So No, no, you know, I've been a fan of comedy all my life, man, you know. It starts in the classroom. A mm. lot of comedians start in the classroom, that's your first audience. Right. You know, and I got in trouble for it a lot, you know? So that means and you were good or you were bad The comedy? <laughs> well, you know, now I'm known as Cory fucking Fernandez. <laughs> but before Cory fucking Fernandez, I was Corny Cory. Oh. That was wow. me in school, Corny Cory. Because I wasn't always funny, but yeah. I always tried.
0: <laughs> I always tried. <laughs> got knocked down, got up and fought again.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know, that's how it started, man. I you know, I I, I took speech classes and I, I started learning about public speaking and like, you know, um uh um they used to do like these comedy shows around my way in Brooklyn, East New York, Linden Boulevard Movie Theater, shout out A. G. White, Ray DeJean was good. Mm-hmm. And I used to go there and I was like, man, you know, I, I want to get into this, but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. And A.G. White, he told me, he was like, yo, put, up, put your fur, funniest five minutes together and, and then come back and see me. And that's exactly what I did, man. I, I wrote down five minutes, got on stage. The first dude that ever put me on stage was uh, Donnell Rollins, mm. Ashley Larry from Chappelle Show. Oh, really? Yeah, that's yeah. That's dope. And uh, it was at the spot in Brooklyn, Footprints, mm-hmm. Bar and Grill, Jamaican, like this hood Jamaican yeah. bar. Straight beef patties. They, they, don't, they, don't <laughs> e- they don't even laugh if it ain't about Jamaican shit. Oh, they'd, be, really? they'd be like, Yeah. <laughs> you think you funny? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that was my first spot. Imagine. Yeah. yeah your yeah. first time doing a comedy. I mean, all right, I'm lying. The first time I tried it was at a talent show in college. Okay. I was going, shout out CUNY. Kingsborough Community College, the 13th and 14th grade of high school, (laughs) and uh, that was the first time I got on stage, and then the first show I did was Mm -hmm. the one with Donnell at at, at Footprints Cafe in Brooklyn, like uh, East Flatbush, Canarsie area, Mm. but I've always been a fan, so you, you take being a fan, I always had, like, the HBO one-hour specials. Right. Like, I had a stack of VHS tapes. You know, everybody. I recorded everybody, man. My my favorite dude to watch was George Carlin. Okay. You know, rest in peace. Um Now, you know, you got Chappelle, Chris Rock, you know, mm-hmm. all those guys. Um So, you go from being a fan to, you know, realizing that all your life you've been doing this in the classroom... Mm-hmm. And you just connect the two. And, and you're like, yo, I think I can do this. Right. And and that's what made, gave me the guts to ask, you know, that A.G. White for the first time. Yo, I want to do this, but how? How do mm. I do this? You that's know?
0: dope, man. That's, that's real good, man. It's like, yeah, some people, it takes them a while to put two and two together. It's like, you've been doing this all your life, but you never thought it can be a career for you you just do it naturally but it's like when you do what you love naturally it's like you don't feel like you're working so that's good that you kind of figured that out and at such a young age to kind of jump in there and pursue it you know what i'm saying it's
1: so important bro because the same way that you know you it, it takes the ability of a comedian to be able to recognize the funny mm-hmm. so a situation can happen and it could go right over a bunch of other people's heads, but the comedian would be like, Yo, you, did you see how he just uh, and, and, and makes it, he sees it. Right. You know? It's like when, when, when Neo saw The Matrix, you know? Mm-hmm. And the same way that th- they have that ability, it's important for everyone, comedian or not, to be able to recognize their calling. Right. Some people don't some people don't and some people they they realize that they like things and never really take it seriously enough to go full force with it they just treat it like a hobby right you know it
0: ends up being
1: yeah Mm -hmm. and that's what you gotta ask yourself I had to ask myself that question I still ask myself that question to this day you know is is this you know uh, a career or is this a hobby you know Um, am I leisurely writing or am I diligently writing right. you know like how am I treating this and you know we, we fall short a lot sometimes and we feel like we're falling short you know but that's that's one thing for sure is that to be a comedian you got to be a writer right <laughs> you got to be a writer if you ain't a writer this ain't for you <laughs> yeah I hear that man you got to keep creating keep writing keep getting on stage keeping up with the times right keeping relevant you know Mm, and that that brings me to my next question you know tell me about the grind
0: of a stand up comedian you know from the legwork you have to put in to book the show and then after you book the show
1: well you know I was fortunate enough because in my first year of doing comedy I got on BET Mm. so I kind of catapulted I'm in the
0: wrong business
1: (laughs) I catapulted past a lot of new comics you know and um, because of that my path was a little slightly different you know Mm -hmm. like I kind of grew fast because of that, like, mm. you know, from that television show to touring nationally. Wow. You know? At the time, I was uh, studying music at City College. Oh, really? hmm mm. I went from Kingsborough, I transferred to City College in Harlem, and I was studying music. And uh, when I got on the TV show, they wanted to put us on a national tour. Mm. Like, it was like, I think, like 30 cities. Wow. And imagine, I just been doing comedy a year. I'm brand new. I'm like 23. Right. You know? And all this came from that first show. From right. the first show and and now I'm like, you know, I'm studying music and I, you know, I dropped out.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: left school. I went on tour.
0: Wow. And I yeah,
1: um, did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, it it, it, it it like I said, it catapulted me into this whole lifestyle that I didn't know about before that I was a new comic doing a bunch of free shows right and when you ask about the grind that's the grind when you first start it's a lot of free shows because one you gotta get good right you gotta get good like we we suck in the beginning your jokes suck you suck we all suck and then takes time to get good and build the jokes and realize your voice and all that stuff and you know and two nobody's gonna put money in your pocket when you're new unless fact. you have some kind of draw or some kind of something that makes them want to book you right you know yeah and um, so without without those things you know you're basically running around doing a lot of free shows just getting your name out there getting good getting better and you know um, and like I said from that show I started booking other stuff after that mm. and then you know I was I was working constantly right so I feel like the game has been good to me, man. That came early, okay. And you know, it's it's a double edged sword. Like it's like one of those things where it's like you go through the the, the peaks and valleys. Where one minute you're busy, the next minute you're not. Mm-hmm. One minute it's you're moving everywhere. The next minute is slow. Yeah. You know, but that comes with longevity, right? You know that that comes with being around for a while. You get to see the peaks and the valleys. When you, you're new, you know it's either you know the one-hit wonder or you know you no no hits at all.
0: Right, right, you're right. You're just
1: trying it and t- bombing and crashing and burning every time. Every time. <laughs> so you know it, it, it's 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 about maturing and realizing. Okay, uh, in the beginning of comedy, you're trying to figure out: Am I funny? Can I do this? Do I got this? And then it goes from you just doing doing silly jokes about stuff that you observe throughout the day right you're just talking about anything random stuff just to see, show that you have it and have the ability to create funny stuff right then it goes from that to once you know you're funny and you know you can do it it goes from to, 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 to reining it in mm-hmm. now controlling it right. now talking about the stuff you want to talk about and not not being a funny guy Not not being a guy telling funny jokes, but just being a a, a funny guy, Mm -hmm. you know, just talking. Right. You know? And that's a difference. So it, it goes from random topics that you just thought were funny to, all right, now how can I. Start making my my material about content, about quality. How how can I start talking about something? Right. Talking about something real now. Right. You know, not just silly, stupid jokes. Exactly. I want to have a message now. I want to have a voice. You know, this comes with a responsibility. So, you know, I feel like that's where I'm at now. I'm I'm trying to go from like dumping my old stuff to where it was just a bunch of silly, funny, you know, stupid stuff. Right. To really. Having a voice and, and having something to say that's, you know, um, that's um, meaningful meaningful and, 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 and you know, um, impact. it has an impact on people, it, 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 you know, the social commentary, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, think about it, though. There's so much shit going on.
0: Right, that you can, that, that anybody can relate to, mm-hmm. especially in society, politics and stuff like that, that you can incorporate in your material too grab the attention of the folks, it's like I go to a comedy show and as soon as he mentions something about it, like for example, Donald Trump or something, like, you already know, I'm like, oh, I'm all there, yeah, I agree already, I didn't even hear the joke. <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so implement that and I think that'll definitely help you a lot. But I'm sure you do
1: that already now, right? Mm-hmm. Do you write your own material?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: I mean, that's, that's one of those things where it's kind of different from music, like music, it's okay to have a ghostwriter, you know, people do that all the time like, you know, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's called collaborating. Right. But with with comedy, you know, they take joke writing very seriously and joke stealing very seriously. Mm. You know, so you got to be in order to be respected, you got to have your own stuff. Mm. You know. Okay. Now, you can have a comedy buddy and you guys come up with jokes together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nothing wrong with throwing bouncing ideas off of each other. But to really be respected, you gotta like come out with your own stuff mm-hmm. and then once you get have a name and you up there, mm-hmm. then maybe you could hire a team of writers. Right. Just to stay relevant and keep up. Right. Cause you know, it's hard to, you know, like uh, Kevin Hart dro- dropping a new hour special every year. Right. Yeah, that's hard, you know? Yeah, especially I'm
0: sure he's getting booked to show up at clubs and this book signing here, like he probably doesn't even have a lot of time to write you know, being that busy. So I could not imagine at that point
1: in your career, then you would hire in, yeah. you know. Have you ever used writers before?
0: Like, have a team of writers to write for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I, I worked on a few pilots. Okay. You know, I, one was a sketch show. Okay. And we all, it was one of those sketch shows where the, the people to, who were the characters and the actors on the show were also the writers and they wrote their own sketches. Oh, so okay. if you wanted to be on the show, you had to create a sketch. Mm. And if you didn't create a sketch, you were just being one of the side people, you know, you weren't being like the main people. Right. So um, that was a lot of fun because, you know, you're in a writing room. It was my first time in a writing room. And, you know, you're really bouncing ideas off. The second time was in college. You know, I went back to school later on to study film. Okay. And that's when, you know, I took a screenwriting class. Mm. And so the screenwriting class. Is basically where we all bounced ideas off of each other, right? You know, that's cool. Yeah,
0: hell yeah, man. So um, tell so since you've um focused on writing, it sounds like you put a lot of energy and education to being a, a good writer. Um, you wrote on um, of Palooza with Jamie Foxx, right? Tell me about that experience.
1: That was um, my uh, first time on Comedy Central. Mm. And pff, man, when I tell you this was a movie. Mm. This was like right around the time Jamie won the Oscar for Ray. Oh yeah! So he was like uh, bigger than the world, and um, uh, I had ju- I had done BET already and a couple other things, and um, and and I tried out for this festival. Jamie Foxx used to do this festival called Laughapalooza, mm-hmm. where all the co- comedians would go to Atlanta mm-hmm. for a whole weekend, and it was a weekend of activities for like all the comics, like. Yeah. In the daytime, it was, like, seminars and, like, mm-hmm. workshops. And then at night was the comedy shows. Mm-hmm. And then after that was the after parties. Imagine, like, a film festival, but a comedy festival. Right. And, and, and like, an urban one in Atlanta. Yeah, that's crazy. It was nuts, dog. It like, sounds like
0: S-S, what is it, S-X-S-W over there in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, South by
1: Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like that, you know. And Jamie Foxx ran it. Like, you know, he was the name behind it. And, um... And so, uh, that was my first time, they they used to record it, they aired it on Comedy Central, I went out there, um, and you already know Atlanta is how Atlanta is. Yeah. Atlanta is so much fun, it's off the chain, now I'm this new comedian, and now I'm in this new this class of new comedians that's running around, we all doing these shows in Atlanta for this festival, mm-hmm. and then at the end I get to tape this big show where Jamie Foxx is the host. Right. You know? And know I had to be like, oh my god, like my hero. <laughs> T.I. came through, it was, it was off the chain. That's cool That's as hell, I, man. Yeah. Do you ever get nervous before a performance? Um, the little ones, no. Like, when I first started, every show made me nervous. Mm-hmm. Now, the little ones, not so much. It's, it's the big ones. Mm. The big ones make me nervous. But, like, the little bar shows, I've done so many of those already. Yeah. Uh, it's not really a big deal to me. But like if I go like the theater shows, like you flying out of town or you know, yeah, more those big ones. Yeah, I still get nervous for those, cause you know it's it, it, it's what makes it exciting. Right. What makes me nervous mm. is not being nervous, mm. because then it's not exciting anymore. You know? Yeah.
0: Oh man, that's probably when it starts feeling like work. It's like oh god, <laughs> that's crazy, man. So tell me, what do you do to prepare for a show? You know, to kind of this decrease the nervousness
1: um you know you've run your set by so you i try to incorporate my set by mostly prepared mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. with a little bit of improvisation okay so the prepared stuff is the skeleton mm-hmm. of, of the set okay. you know yeah. if this is the bullet points that you want to hit throughout the set Right, and then the meat and potatoes and all the stuff in between is you know the improvisation, messing with the audience, going off the top of the head about stuff that you didn't prepare before. Mm-hmm. So you mix all that in together. Yeah. So when I'm heading to a show, I think about the skeleton. I think about where I want to start, where I want to end up, where I want to be in the middle, mm-hmm. and then when I'm on stage, I just let it flow in between. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's good how you kind of got it broken down in your mind that way. I mean, everybody
0: has their own process, so that's that's pretty dope. I mean, that's the first time I heard that. It's like the, building the skeleton to form the body and then move. You know what I'm saying? So that's what's up.
1: Yeah, because you want to have some kind of plan. Yeah. A lot of rookies, they want to just go up there with no plan and then they're up there, you know, at a loss for words, you know? Yeah. So, you know, you want to have some kind of plan just in case. The improvisation is not working. Mm -hmm. You want to have a go-to where you could get them back, right? Because then, if you lose them and you lose them too long, it's hard to get them back. The longer you lose them for, the harder it is to bring them back. Yeah,
0: it sounds like you like a a point. Like you remember the part that that happened to you in life. (laughs) Tell me about that. Like that you (laughs) lost them and tried to get them back, and what was the outcome?
1: Um, it was this huge show in Atlanta. Another show in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and um, this time Ti was the producer. Okay, okay. Uh, Ti Grand Hustle. Uh huh. And and um, Lil, you know Lil Duval. Yeah, yeah, comedian dude. He was the host. Okay. So now this show here was like. Let me tell you, the whole place was jammed. The, the parking lot was a movie. Ooh. Like, that's how I would do it before I went inside. Because the parking lot was nuts with all these cars in the parking lot. Fancy cars, girls everywhere, yeah. ATL strippers, Grand Hustle was yeah, in the building. Yeah. Like, you know, Young Dro and all of them. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, so now I, I go inside. And when they start the show, they 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 have the show set up like on some amateur night at the Apollo. Shit. Oh man, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Duval comes out and he's like, "Hey, if we don't like them, what we gonna do?" And then, oh. and you know, they do their whole shit. So um, I go up there. I try to crack jokes about uh, Lil Duval. The shit, went, the shit went nowhere. Like, I got, like, chuckles.
0: Oh, man.
1: <laughs> then I was like, all right, fuck it. Then I started, started trying to crack jokes over T.I. Oh, no. The producer? Oh, no. You trying to get banned from L.A. I, I tried, mean, from, from, from Atlanta. Atlanta to, yeah. I tried to roast T.I. That shit didn't go nowhere before. You know it. Boo! <laughs> get your ass off the stage! Oh, my God. There was nothing left to do, bro, but get the hell out of there. Oh <laughs> man. Damn, so, yeah, there was no him
0: back. Yo, the <laughs> worst
1: part too dog was that I invited this girl in Atlanta that, you know, like you know like when you when you be chatting with a chick yeah. online and you're like, oh, we gonna meet up. Yeah. She comes to the show finally, we meet up, it's our first time. <sighs>
0: And that sucks because you're trying to show
1: off for of the chick. Oh, yeah. Come see me at my show, baby. And then you got booed. I mean, oh, think about man. it. All I had to say was, hey, I'm doing a show with, with, produced by T.I. Yeah. Once you say that, I, I probably already had her. Yeah. <laughs> all I had to do was deliver. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you had to do. <laughs> That's all I had to do. And so that show right there, that was like one of the, 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 the big L's that, you know, when you think about, uh, you know, when you think of like it's one of those that, that it, 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 it shapes you and it forms you and it, 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 it was a lesson. Right. It was a lesson for sure. I'm sure. And you know, the truth of the matter is man, you could really say and get away with anything, mm-hmm. you just gotta say it the right way. Yeah. You know, that's what that taught me. Like. I probably could have still roasted T.I. or Duval and gotten away with it had I known the right way to do it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, but I'd probably said it in a way where it seemed like, oh, here comes the New Yorker yeah. hating on Atlanta, mm. you know, and you already know Atlanta feels like we be, we be doing like that, yeah, you know, like yeah. they feel
0: like a little. I think the whole <laughs> USA feels like that, it's like New York is its own country, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and that's how we feel, we represent. Nah, I get that, man I mean, well, you know, at least it it, it made you better, it sounds like It made you stronger You know, it made, you, made your skin tougher mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure being in Atlanta stage, man So, um, let's see here So tell me, what do you feel about comedian beef? You know, you see the whole thing with Michael Blackson, Kevin Hart tweet, Tweeting back and forth and all that stuff How, What What are your thoughts on the whole beef thing And on that 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 situation with Michael Blackson and Kevin Hart?
1: Well, I think that, you know in, in, on, on the surface it mm. looks funny it right. looks like come on comedians yeah y'all beefing mm. you know and it looks stupid but the truth is why not you know everybody's beefing mm. no matter what I'm sure there's priests beefing with each other right you know like it doesn't matter what you do if you're a human being you're gonna have conflicts with another human being right and you know so I think it's silly for people to think that it's silly that comedians get beef hmm because it's just regular people beef. Right. Um, The thing with Kevin Hart and Michael Blackson, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, we're all comedians. Mm-hmm. It's like every man for himself. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, you know, he's also saying, like, he's surprised that it was him, that it's coming from him. Like, yeah. you know, like, out of all people, you, you know? Yeah. So it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I guess you really have to question their relationship. And is the relationship as like close and meaningful as Kevin's making it seem where he's that surprised about yeah. or, you know, that disappointed about mm-hmm. Michael talking shit? Right. Or is it not that close where, you know, Mike was just Being doing nice. what every other comedian does to whenever shit happens? Right. You know? And I mean, hey. Um, and then, you know, you also see, like, the, the stuff where, you know, the Instagram comedians versus the, the stand-up comedians. Right, 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 right. How do you feel about that? Um, what's interesting is that it's such a it's such an interesting dynamic because the Instagram comedians have the draw. Mm-hmm. So they pack this place out, but then they got to follow some real heat of a, of a headliner who's been, or, you know, doing it for much longer than them, and that's where you see... The, the, the dynamic mm-hmm. that's where you see it. You see the place is packed because he got the followers, mm-hmm. but then you see the performance of him headlining behind all these real, um, you know, Comedian. comedians, mm-hmm. and you know you could tell the difference between the the laughs. Yeah, you can hear it. You can see it that that it's 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 not the same. Um, but I think there's a lesson to be learned here with on both ends. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like almost like back in the days when black and white film got sound mm-hmm. for the first time. yeah. And these silent actors had to transition from being a, 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 mime. A, a mime silent actor into being like a regular, not overdoing it and using the voice to really uh, show attitude, right. you know? And, and it's the same thing now. Now we're, you know, the millennials and digital media and social media mm-hmm. Is changing all this stuff, and the people who are going to have a hard time adapting to that are going to be those silent actors who fell to the wayside because they couldn't keep up. Right. You know. And so, um, I think that you know, the the Instagram comedians are basically showing us what we could be doing. Mm-hmm. There's more to it than that. Right. You know. And it's also a question of. How much of it do you verbalize, and how much of it do you shoot? Mm. What do you say on stage, and what do you choose to shoot yeah. in front of the camera? You know, you, or you can do both. You'll do the verbal thing and then shoot the sketch. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. But it's, 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 um, it's I, I like the fact that now we could really take the control, take the, our careers more, more control of our careers and bring it more into our own hands. Mm-hmm. That's what these guys are doing, yeah, they they're, they're taking the initiative, mm-hmm. shooting this stuff, getting the followers, and getting money from it, right and we can learn from that mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah, they definitely are taking uh, I say content is king, you know, and they're taking advantage with meaningful and meaningless content <laughs> and they're flooding the market <laughs> like even if you don't like this something, uh, like this post that king, king Bach is his name, King Bach that he put up he got like 50 other following that, you know, so you check out her and you got like one of them. Next thing you know, you follow them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
1: exactly. It's about pumping the, the content, mm-hmm. you know, like you got to just keep creating.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, so tell me, um, tell me, have you ever um, experienced being heckled by someone at your show, you know, um, in the audience kind of, you know, talking that shit to you and you kind of had to go back at him? Tell me, has that ever happened to you? And how did you handle it?
1: Yes, it's happened to me way too many times. <laughs> too it's it, it's a it's a broad range mm-hmm. of you know positive, um, agreeable heckling where they're they they're, they're like they're with you they like like they're right behind you. It's like you got an echo. Right. You really don't need it, but you understand that they're excited and you see the the energy as positive mm-hmm. energy. Right. And then you got the other side where it's just you know because. I, in New York, I came up under like the like the, um, like the Chitman circuit. Okay. So in the Chitman circuit, it's like um, a lot of um, bar shows. Okay. So it's a difference where you go to a comedy club where people pay money to see this. Mm-hmm. And you're doing comedy in a bar where they might be there for the comedy. They might not.
0: Might be there they're the there thing. for a drink. Mm-hmm.
1: And they might tune in. They might not. Mm-hmm. They might care about your, the show. They might not. Right, you know, and that's the kind of crowd you're dealing with. And under those circumstances, you get a lot of hecklers. Right, <laughs> and I came up, and I, I've, I've, you know, I dealt with that shit. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's just a broad range of the, the good, positive heckling where they are just like right behind you and just yelling out everything you say, right. agreeing with you, and you know that's harmless. Right, and then you got the heckling where who knows, man? It might be a thug in the back or a group of thugs in the back, and one thing leads to another, and next thing you know, you you like that dude. um 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 from alabama the comedian from alabama who was dodging the the, the mic stand did you see that video oh, that went no, viral no.
0: oh wait I, th- I think i did on World Star. i believe i gotta double check the dude it jumped on stage he's swinging the mic stand at him then he oh, picks up yeah. the stool he throws the stool at him oh man i mean is there anything like that but not that to that extreme but has
1: something like that happened to you yeah yeah one time this guy got in my face and was you know he acted like he wanted to fight but it, nothing ever happened yeah you know it, it, security came and broke it up but it wasn't nothing serious it wasn't like an actual physical fight right but yeah dude did approach me once
0: so he started with you or you kind of like said a joke and then he said
1: like get off stage buddy Or something. i was talking about you know guys with little dicks okay he's like hey yo, i appreciate all that little <laughs> dick shit you talking about man <laughs> just blew up his own spot right <laughs> hopefully he was
0: by himself and not with his shoulder Because i would have felt bad <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, nah, uh, you know, I forgot exactly what it was, but you know, it was just something where I think it was a misunderstanding where you know he thought I was talking to him, but I wasn't, <laughs> and you know, just people just be drunk and just be finding any reason to use that liquor, curve try to out. show off or yeah. in front of a girl or something, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, that's another thing I worry about too, man. You know, g- girls trying, guys trying to show off in front of a girl. Yeah. Get them beat up.
0: (laughs) For real. That that would do it too. (laughs) That's crazy, man. Yeah, some people are sensitive sometimes to jokes or it offended. But if that's the case, you shouldn't have been there. Like, you know, I, I find it surprising how when I go to comedy shows with my girl and people come in and they sit right in the front, you know... As a comedy attendee You never sit in the front If you don't want to get heckled And then they always like go crazy When the guy's heckled And they're like You sitting right in front of him You're a prime target You're like He's like the horse with the blinders on Looking right at you So you're a super target But it never bothered me to be heckled I mean I'd be like whatever You know I'm leaving with this shorty You know we good (laughs) You know I ain't worried about nothing But yeah man So uh, but being that people May get so sensitive Do you put boundaries On your jokes Or do you pretty much Say what you want
1: um. Well, to, not, not to backtrack, but but, but uh, also about the heckling thing too is mm-hmm. that you, it's also important to look uh, like a professional with that okay. because a lot of comedians they'll lose it and mm-hmm. they'll get angry and they'll start start saying mean stuff that's not even funny. And mm-hmm. it, it what makes I've you seen that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now it's like you, they're, they're just arguing back and forth. It's not even funny anymore. And so it's important to look like a professional and look like you always have it under control and you're always keeping it light and always keeping it funny. Mm-hmm. No matter where they try to take it, you just keep bouncing back with showing them that you you you, you you're faster and smarter by keeping it funny. Right. And and, and you expected this to happen. Yeah, and and to answer your next question, that's what I look for too. I always just try to make sure that um, I, I don't try to restrict anything. Okay. And that brings me to what i my special, my one-hour special. Mm. It's going to be called "Say Hello to the Bad Guy." Mm. And the reason why is because it's like that Scarface right. monologue. Mm-hmm. You know, you people need people like me to point your finger and say, "There's the bad guy." Right. And that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to be like, "Yo, oh, you know, there's a lot of things happening and going on that nobody's talking about." Right. So you know what? I'm going to be here, here to be the one to bring it up and tell and, and be like, you know, so you can point your finger at me and call me the bad guy. I'm going mm-hmm. to talk about it. That's you know? not it,
0: man. When you when when's your are uh, expecting air date for that?
1: It's 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 in the works, man. You mm-hmm. know, I would love to get it on Netflix. That's my dream. I want to get it on Netflix. But you know, it's so many other possibilities now. That's the beauty of digital media now. Right. Mm-hmm. You know that people are having specials like on on all these networks. Right. You know, um, but Netflix is the is would be ideal because it's, yeah. it's just you know. It's such a difference asking someone to tune in to a specific day on a specific time, right. and if they miss it, they gotta catch the rerun. Mm-hmm. Th- rather than being like, "You got Netflix, watch it tonight when you get home."
0: Yeah, and I think everybody's kind of moving in that direction. You know, getting the Hulu's, the Netflix, Amazon Prime, as opposed to getting basic cable. You know what I'm saying? It's actually less to get. The hulus and all that and it's and they have more uh, titles that you can watch at your leisure. You know, you don't gotta wait for a specific day and time or whatever. So, you know, I, I think that that'll work for you. Man. We ain't got
1: time to be tuning in. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who
0: got time to tune in? That's hilarious, man. So tell me um what's your plans to Advance your career Because I'm glad you mentioned The whole getting the special I'm starting to see A lot of comedians You know Especially the legends From our era Getting these specials And hearing about them Getting uh, some big checks For those specials So tell me What is your goal To advance your career To the next level Are you just You know You, you mentioned you write You act Do comedy Do you want to focus On just one thing Focus on all of them And bring that up You know Start your own Company doing it Like Tell me more
1: I uh, Well, you know, I was doing all of this in New York all this time, okay. you know. I grew up in New York, started stand-up in New York, been doing stand-up for over 10 years in New York. Mm-hmm. With some acting, I booked some stuff in New York too, you know, mm-hmm. cop out and all that stuff. And um, so, you know, I relocated to L.A. like two and a half years ago. Right. This, no, actually more than that. It's almost going to be three. Mm. And um, so, you know, basically what my initiative on coming out here was... To still be p- present and active in the stand up, mm. but to also be trying to do more acting as well. Mm. So, this whole leap of faith in coming out here is, you know, basically uh, me trying to advance my acting. Gotcha. You know, do more acting. Mm. Um, but, you know, stand up is my first love. Right. That, that ain't going nowhere, you right. know? Better not. I mean, so it brought you here. Yeah, it? exactly. So you know, come out here, do the auditions, do the classes, acting classes, improv classes, Mm -hmm. you know, um, try to get on as many shows as I can, spread my name with the stand-up, and you know, I gotta start being more uh, digitally savvy. Mm -hmm. I gotta start, like, pumping more videos and more content and, you know, doing all the stuff that I'm seeing everyone else doing, you know? and you know like you said some of it is good some of it isn't i feel like i could contribute to some of that right the good shit yeah (laughs) you know Uh um so you know i'm just trying to do what you're doing bro i want to i want to try to make money from either acting and stand up and then once i get the money from that i could put my producers hat on Mm -hmm. and now i could probably get behind the camera
0: right
1: you know and now i could do you know either a short or an animated movie. I have, you know, I have an animated feature. Oh, really? And you know, or you know, a TV show, or you know, something, something behind the camera. Right. You know, it's just finding the money. That's the part. You yeah, know? yeah.
0: I like to put the idea together first, and then I find the money once the idea is presented. You know, Cause I, you know, I mean, from my the advice that was given to me was, you know, always make sure you're constantly creating, having the content. So, when you present these things, you know, they already got the money, the producers and the people you're trying to sell this to. So, you just want to present the idea first and then you worry about the money later. If you worry about the money first, then you're never going to get the content. You're never going to finish the project. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I feel you on that. hmm Okay. So, now... um well, I'm glad that you mentioned that, you know, you're advancing your career, trying to act and do your thing, and I've looked at, did some homework on you, you know, you are on Orange is the New Black as Arturo, you worked on The Following with Kevin Bacon, you know, so t- tell, me, tell me about those experiences, you know, you,
1: I see you worked on The Monique Show as well. hmm yeah. Um, well, you know, my first movie was uh, Cop Out. Okay. That was a dream come true. Oh, that was, right. you know, Bruce Willis, Tracy Morgan, and a bunch of other people that was... You know, uh, and, you know, it was a little unreal, man, because I thought that, you know, being a comedian, I thought my first movie was going to be something like, you know, like uh, like Friday yeah, or yeah. like Soul Plane or yeah, yeah, yeah. The Cookout. Or, yeah. know, I thought it was going to be like one of those uh, hood, classic. <laughs> hood classics, yeah. and it ended up being this big budget Warner Brothers thing with Bruce Willis, Yeah, and it blew me away, you know. And so I got to play the brother of uh, Guillermo uh, Diaz, mm-hmm. who um, was the guy who played, you know, Huck in Scandal. Yeah. And he's also, you know, plays, uh, uh, what is it, Scarface in, in Half Bait. Yeah, I know you're talking about. That's my boy right there. Like, they the
0: kill killer B. The kill killer B. Kill, yeah, that's my guy right there, man. He plays
1: my brother in the movie. Stifler from Half, um, American Pie mm-hmm. was in it. You know it was just it, I was blown away man it, we shot it in my hometown you know they shot some of it in, in Brooklyn some of it in Queens yeah so now I'm on set with my friends right you know my Tracy Morgan from Qu- uh, Brooklyn right yeah okay cool, yeah cool. so now I'm on set with my friends and they're seeing all of this shit really coming to life mm. you know all of this stuff that we dreamed about they're seeing it actually happening and it was sweet man it was sweet to see that it was sweet for me to mm. Be able to go back home and, and 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 show them. Look, you know, this is what I've been running around doing all this time. Yeah, you know, this is what it was for. And you know, um, Kevin Bacon was cool. Kevin, Kevin we did we shot it in a prison mm-hmm. in upstate New York. Yeah, uh, you know, that was the following. That had, that show had a big following. Yeah, yeah I remember. And um, uh, you know, we didn't get to talk much. Mm-hmm. It was like one of those things where it's like small talk at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but still a cool guy you know mm. that that's what kind of made me come out here was that you know these things that I was booking even the the, the not just the new black it was like a quick little newspaper stand scene yeah you know um is that a lot of the things originate here mm. and then when they shoot it out there they're casting the locals so they don't gotta fly people in right so the sense. locals get all the little roles right so I was just tired of that I was tired of you know being like The 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 background, the background, dude. You know, one, I'm one line, two lines, three. You know, so I wanted to come where this, where where it begins, where it originates, to try to get in on the ground level. Mm. You know, so when you do a lot of these projects, you're working for like a day or two. You don't really get to establish a a, a relationship or a friendship Mm. with these people because you're only not around that long. Yeah, you get to have like you get to get acquainted, right? But that's about it. You know, Um, but even despite all that, even if it was just for a brief time, Mm -hmm. it was dope, man. You know, it was dope. When Orange came out, I had no idea what it was because it was the first season. Nobody Mm -hmm. knew what it was. I had no idea it was going to be as big as it was. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the shows that put Netflix on the map, too. Right. You know, like um, House of Cards and Mm -hmm. Orange and like those shows really, uh, Narcos. Yeah. You know, Um, so it was still dope it was still dope to be a part of the whole process yeah it's just it, 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 I want to know what it feels like now to be like a series regular mm. where you, your character develops yeah and you get to go through these things and you get to build real bonds with, with your, your, your peers you know because yeah. you know you, if you book a show you know you guys are going to be spending so much time together that's like you know relationships that are going to last a lifetime right you know Okay. I I I also did a bunch of stuff no one knows about. Mm. I booked a pilot for HBO and it was uh directed by Spike Lee. Oh wow. Yeah. And the person that I was with in it with was John Boyega, the dude from Star Wars. Oh wow. Yeah. And uh my mom was played by Rosie Perez. <laughs> um It had a bunch of people in it, man. And it was basically, the producers were Mike Tyson Mm -hmm. and Doug Ellen, who's the creator of Entourage. Oh, wow. That's one of my favorite shows right there. Yeah. Mm. They produced it. The writer was um, Ridley. Okay. uh, Who won the, John Ridley, he won the Oscar for 12 Years a Slave. Oh, wow. Yeah. He wrote wrote it. We shot it. I was in the scene with John, Mm. and um, HBO passed on it. Mm. this was before star wars before the force awakens oh okay gotcha gotcha that's crazy man Mm -hmm. and you know i was depressed for like a month behind that i already i thought i was on my way yeah you know you know you think you already made it
0: (laughs) yeah you definitely can't get discouraged in this game because, like you said it goes up and down you know and that kind of weeds out the ones that are here to stay and the ones that are not made built for this you know Mm -hmm. built for this lifestyle you know, but I want to get into, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of headlines about Monique. I know you worked on the Monique show quite some time. Um, yeah, and then um, she wanted to boycott Netflix for gender bias, you know, and it was due to her not receiving a higher offer than what the comedians are getting for their specials. And then when I say comedians, I mean the comedians that are more, I don't want to say relevant because she is a legend, but that I have st- done a lot recently. They're getting more and then they offer her, I believe it was like half a mil and then they got like Amy Schirmer getting like 25 mil, or Chris Brown getting like 20 mil, whatever. You know, she wanted to boycott Netflix for being gender biased. That was, do you think, uh, do you believe
1: there's gender bias?
0: It's like a, I have another question within that question. But do you believe that there's gender bias going on in Hollywood?
1: Yeah, you know, that's the, the whole movement that they have now. The um, Me Too. Me Too. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it, Not Anymore? or Something like that. I'm more familiar with the Me Too. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry, I don't even remember. I feel like I'm, I'm being all insensitive to, to, to the women's issues. But that's what this whole thing, the whole Oscars and all this stuff that we've been seeing, that's what all that's been about. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know... <laughs> Deep down inside, we know that there's right and wrong and principles and things like that 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 you know we should uphold. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're when when the, the players with the money are in control of you, you know your your work and your career, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not as easy to just you know come out and talk about stuff like that. Right. And it's been like that for such a long time. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, was I surprised about Harvey Weinstein? No. Yeah. You know, I, like, I'm not surprised. He looks like the kind of guy that probably would do something like that. <laughs> but, um, you know, with Monique, I, I feel like, uh, am I going to boycott Netflix for that cause? No. Yeah. Not. But if if they did give Amy Schumer $13 million and they offer Monique uh, $500,000,000. Thousand. You know, at the same time, I don't think that I'm going to boycott Netflix for Monique, but at the same time, I don't think Monique is worth Mm one-sixteenth of what Amy Schumer is worth. Mm -hmm. I think Monique's worth a lot more than that. Right. You know? Um, So, that's my stance on it. I I don't feel like she should have, like, made this personal issue into trying to boycott Netflix and make it seem like this whole gender thing, you know, even though it could be that, because that's real. Yeah. Um... But I do think Netflix would give her a little more money. Yeah, I, I think she's worth the. If, if you feel Amy's worth that, then I don't think Monique is worth a yeah. small fraction of of her.
0: Right, that, she's not that far off. I mean, she's had successful shows, has toured with other um, female comedians and male comedians, and killed the stages. You know, had her own shows and sold out. But um, when she had the interview on um, with Charlamagne the God, he made a good point that it seems like. You know, the bigger companies like Netflix and Hulu or whatever, they are kind of catering the specials to the artists who've done stuff recently and seeing that they're attracting uh, a higher number of audience within a shorter amount of time as opposed to someone who's been doing it. For a long time, but may I've had gaps within that career. You see what I'm saying? So I'm, th- in my opinion, based on what he said, I feel like they are looking at it as just business kind of thing. They feel like if they go with Amy Schumer, who just saw- sold out the Garden last night, and Monique, who hasn't sold out the Garden in, let's say, for example, like a, a year or two, they're gonna go with Amy because she's she's fresh talent, killing it right now, and gonna offer her a big check. Now, they- I mean, I think I think that's probably what it- I think it's just business with them. They don't really care.
1: I mean, you know, that 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 is a, a, a main thing, you know, mm-hmm. relevance. You yeah. know, it's like, who's doing stuff now? Mm-hmm. Who's out now? Or how, how, you know, even with the, you know, acting resumes, it's like, what's the last thing you booked? How long ago? Right. You know? Yeah. They want to know stuff like that. Um, but you know what's more interesting is that now and now, it seems like it's, it's less about your resume and more about how many followers you got. Yeah, man. That's
0: I think that's exactly what this uh, game of, Entertainment is catered towards is like, yo, that you have either you have people following you or not. Because if I was, you know, the label owner or whatever the case may be, and I wanted to sign an artist, I would look at how many followers you have because that's potential people who's gonna buy the CD. It just makes sense, you know. So I guess if you have that hat on, like the investor hat, the company owner's hat, or whatever, I guess you're only looking at you're it, just crunching
1: head. numbers, right?
0: Yeah. So, but it sucks for the artist, especially someone as talented as Monique that has to go through that at this point in her career, because she's a legend, I mean, she could
1: stop now and
0: die a legend, you know what I'm saying,
1: but... And that's, um, that's you know, that's the peaks and valleys that I'm talking about, you yeah. know, her going from Oscar winner to her talking about being blacklisted yeah. in Hollywood, you know, and, and trying to recover from that and trying to figure out where do I go from here and what do I do next, and... Mm -hmm. that's 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 what longevity does it 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 makes you try to figure out how do i remain relevant where am i going to go next where you know what what do i want to do now Mm -hmm. you know like and then you got these obstacles that you got to try to figure out how am i going to get around these you know yeah just like uh you know um what's her name they got in trouble for holding up the decapitated head of trump
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I ah oh, man, I got her face right in my my brain. I know you're talking about the redhead lady, right? Redhead lady. Yeah, I, I know you're talking about. I forgot her name. That's
1: though. so messed up that we're talking about relevance and we can't bring up her name. We're like, who's that? That yeah, lady, the funny one. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> that just goes to show perfectly. I mean. No, no, no. But she's huge. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. holding her head oh yeah she got in trouble for holding the head Kathy Griffin Kathy Griffin Kathy Griffin there we go Um, same thing with her you know she was a huge comedian still is Mm -hmm. and she made this video recently about how she don't have no work yeah she was like please I don't have any work send me work that's crazy man and, and and that's on that level I've experienced it on a minor level where you know I was on BET and all this stuff and now I'm trying to figure out what's my next move right you know imagine like on that level you know yeah it could be very drastic especially for
0: your pockets when you used to when you're at that level I'm sure you're used to getting uh, those big checks and when they don't come anymore and you accumulate accumulated stuff that costs a lot to keep up with it it might hurt so. yeah
1: for real you cars and houses and all that you gotta keep up with that lifestyle mm. you know
0: well, speaking about holding people's heads up, what do you feel about Donald Trump
1: <laughs> as our president? Um, I don't know. Like, where do I begin? I think, first of all, we got to get down to the root of how we got into this situation. Mm-hmm. And that is from the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. Those motherfuckers gave us Trump when we asked for Clinton. We voted for Clinton. And they gave us Bush when we voted for Gore mm. and I, I feel like you know I don't know why so many people make a big deal about voting when our votes don't count how do we pick one person and we get we get up the other person I think the Electoral College is actually uh, a curtain to try to keep us from true democracy
0: mm.
1: it, 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 it it you know um, it kind of like um, it curves what, what what we really want, like, right? We, we know what we want, but it's monitoring and curving it just in case. Because think about it, what does it really make sense? It's basically saying that people are being unfairly represented in uh, these elections because other cities and states have more pop- larger population than their town, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to even it out by giving more vote giving more votes than what the actual population is just to, so they they can be contenders with the rest of these big larger cities mm-hmm. and if that's the case then what is the purpose of voting in the first place the purpose of voting in the first place is majority wins right so if it is a bunch of people from a small town who pick this person and it's a bunch of people from a large town or city who pick this person. Then yeah, guess what? The city wins because it's it's a, it's voting is about majority winning. Mm-hmm. That's what the purpose of a vote is. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how we vote for one person and end up with the the person we didn't get, and then still be telling other people, oh, you got to get out there and vote. Yeah, we did, mm-hmm. we did, and we still didn't get what we no, asked for. Exactly. So I think. The first thing we need to do with along with kicking Trump out of there mm-hmm. is kicking that damn electoral college out of there and giving the putting the vote back into the people's hands. No electoral college votes, we need only popular vote. Right. Only popular vote.
0: That would make sense. It'd be ideal, but only in a perfect world.
1: <laughs> you know? I think it's a possibility. I think if I'm more, enough more people start talking about that and making noise about it yeah i think that we could possibly you know put bring it back to just a straight democracy where it's just you know the voters choice
0: yeah you're um you're puerto rican right Mm -hmm. do you still have do you have any family out there suffering with no electricity and all that stuff still
1: yeah um you know it's unfortunate but yeah Mm. Yeah, I, and it's what's also unfortunate is that I don't really speak to them that often.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'd be like that
1: sometimes. You know? Yeah. My mom is more in touch with them than I am, but she says that if no one's dead, thank God. Mm-hmm. But she says that, you know, I, I actually did a, I did have my birthday, and I did a fundraiser, like a comedy show fundraiser. Oh, okay, to help them with the electricity? To help the Puerto Ricans in need. Good job, man. That's great. I mean, and by that, I mean me. I kept yes. all the money, really. because I'm Puerto Rican, and I'm in need, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I'm just playing it. You know, when you do the, the Facebook thing, yeah. it goes straight to them. You don't even get to see that money. Right. It right. goes straight to the charity. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool as hell. But, um, you know, even with him just being like, you know, these people, they just, some, a lot of them lost their homes. They lost their families. Mm-hmm. You know, and Trump is like, I got to tell you, Puerto Rico, you are putting our budget out of whack. (laughs) As if, though, they asked to be in this awful situation.
0: Exactly. And you're over here making jokes, playing uh, basketball with uh, uh, paper towels and stuff.
1: It was crazy, man. I mean. But it's just, it's a really, it's a real disappointment to go from Obama to Trump. Just when you thought, you know, we were going in a different direction. Right. But I think the, 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 um, the core of our disappointment mm-hmm. behind everything that we've been seeing since Trump's election stems from us being fooled into believing throughout the Obama industri- administration that this country was a different place. Yeah. <laughs> <right>? But it <laughs> no, ain't. You know, it it's, the, it's the same place. Mm. And Trump was here to remind us of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the same place. And he just came to send the memo, um, but I do think that we're you know becoming more uh, open, mm-hmm. more liberal. It's slowly, but little by little. You yeah. know why? Because y'all white kids, y'all y'all white parents, kids i listening to that Trap music. <laughs> trap is here to save America. Oh, man. <laughs> I love it. Tell me, do you get a lot of support from the, from the Latino community? Um, I do, but it's like the, 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 new, the you know, the New York, you know, the, yeah. it's the American uh, Latinos. It's not the, the real ones from back home, you know. It's, it's like uh, the ones like me, it's the city ones that some of them don't speak Spanish, some of them do, but they're Americanized, mm. you know, like, you know, growing up Latino, man, and not knowing Spanish is is, is tough because it's like, you know, you don't you, you don't feel like you fit in here, Right. you don't feel like you fit in there, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, where the hell do I hang, who do I hang out with? That's how it was for me. I grew up in the Bronx and, you know, my family's
0: Dominican, but I was just in the house. As soon as I stepped out the house, it was, you know, everybody was black. So I was like, alright, so I kind of grew up with those manualisms and English, my first language, and I didn't learn Spanish until... I was like 13, 14. By then, I was already, I already had cornrows, you know what I'm saying? My pants were sagging, so I feel you on that. It's like, where do you fit in at? You exactly. know, like, trying
1: to find yourself. And, and my neighborhood, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a, Porter, a Latino neighborhood. Like, mm. When I was in elementary school, all my classmates were like Italian and Jewish. Mm. And then, by the time I reached high school, in the same neighborhood, all of my classmates were Jamaican and Haitian. Oh, Wow. It just switched over just like that, that quickly, from elementary to high school. Mm. And so I went from being like the the only Latino in the class to to being well the only Latino in a bunch of white kids to the exact opposite, to being the only light person in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? And um and I think, like maybe, if I grew up in a Latino neighborhood, I would have been a little more savvy. Even yeah. if I didn't know all the language, the I thing, yeah, okay, I would have okay. knew, okay. knew more shit. I probably would have danced salsa better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have went to more more salsa parties. Right. You know, you know, I would have hung out with that more. But instead, I was in the basement bashments, mm-hmm. listening to reggae. Yeah, you know, in dance hall. Yeah, you know, that kind of shit. Have you ever gotten compared to John Lucas Yeah, all the time. You know, people always tell me I look like him. Mm-hmm. I've been getting it. For the longest.
0: I think that's a compliment, man. You know, he's at the he's been at the top of his game, you know. Yeah. He represent
1: Puerto Rico also, so he's actually a Colombian. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh damn, well, I take it back. I was <laughs> just kidding. But but no, yeah, but John's always been for the for, for the, the, the Latinos and the New Yorkans and you know, all that shit and right. you know but um and now he's got the new one out, the, his new um Yeah, the stand up? Uh yeah, it's uh latin history for dummies i gotta see that yeah that sounds that sounds less on netflix yeah mm-hmm. no 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 it's actually like on, it's, it's live now oh okay yeah
0: okay
1: i don't know where he is but it's it's live I gotta check. i don't mind when people tell me i look like him he's not a bad looking guy you know it's not like they're saying yo you know you look like that guy from machete from machete <laughs> Yo, who, Danny Trejo? No, please, anything but him Please, that, that <laughs> motherfucker's ugly, bro Anything but Machete, please
0: Oh, man
1: <laughs> You know, Carlitos Way was one of my favorite movies Yeah, Don't Benny Blanco
0: Yeah, he played Benny, that's dope So what are you doing to give back to your community? You know, I see you got this uh, You, you kind of built your own platform In a comedy club to have up-and-comers Come do
1: their thing, so tell me more about that Right, I started this weekly show, it's an after work show downtown LA called No Filter Fridays, Okay, and it's basically, you know, going back to what I said about my special where I just want to say stuff that people aren't afraid to say, Mm -hmm. so that's what No Filter Fridays is, it's the raw, uncut comedians that come in and they just talk with no filter, Mm -hmm. and it's just coming out, you know, so it's just basically saying like comics that don't give a fuck, Mm -hmm. you know? And I did that because, you know, uh, one, I I need to stay on stage. Right. So even when I'm not on stage, at least I know once a week I got a spot where I can work out stuff. Right. You know, two, when you give to when you when you do stuff and you give you get it back sometimes, Mm -hmm. not all the time, but sometimes. And I feel like. It puts you more in the comedy community, mm-hmm. so now you're calling this guy. You're putting him on his, on your show. He's putting you on his show, right? And it just gets you immersed more with that world and that community, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you know, those are the two main reasons. You know, mm-hmm. I got a gym that I could work out at, mm-hmm. and I got a place where I can put other people on, and hopefully, in return, maybe they might throw me something, right? You know. Um, and and so I like it man. I'm I'm excited about it. It's at the called the Redwood Bar and Grill. It's uh, this bar where they have like live bands so they got all this dope music coming through, like mm. punk and rock bands and um they got a stage. So it's set up already for entertainment. Right. So that's what I wanted. I was like looking for places that have live music, so I knew it would have a stage, it would have the sound, the the lights, um and so yeah, I started it on my birthday. The first show was the show that I did the fundraiser for Puerto Rico. Okay. That was like a month ago, and we've been going ever since. It's been like uh, four weeks now.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that. It's good that you're helping young talent get on, as yourself trying to get on in the process. Some people wait till they on. Lord know when that's going to be to put somebody else on. So mm-hmm. that's good that you're doing it in the beginning stage, you're kind of building that foundation with you. You know what I'm saying as yeah. far as supporters go. Exactly now, I think honestly With that idea that No Filter Fridays, That'll be a good uh, Niche for a Netflix special You know what I'm saying Like you kind of Being the host And still doing a set And then having newcomers Come up under you You know I haven't seen anything like that Every Netflix special That I've seen thus far It's only that one person That one name You know what I'm saying It's never me, a group. Yeah a group Or bringing, bringing people up Like just that niche Of bringing people up I think the, the Inspiring comedians Might look at that and it might give them some a sense of hope and might want to come in contact with you to be a part of the netflix thing you know to kind of get their way into the top but still you got the platform you got the check you know what i'm saying so i think you should definitely use anything is it possible
1: anything. bro you see that thing now two dope queens i've seen billboards for it. i haven't watched it yet but tell me about it What's two two there? female comics that you know started started a podcast it got so big now it's on hbo Mm. and what they do is so they'll 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 talk about stuff and then like in between they'll bring up comedians oh wow and comedians will go and do like 10 minutes or something like that oh okay mm-hmm. yeah i gotta check that out but bro. that just goes to show that you know any, any all of that stuff is possible now mm-hmm. you know it's times are changing now bro you know wakanda forever yeah we gotta keep up <laughs> <Wakanda>. <laughs> you know it, 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 all that shit is gonna change bro yeah. like
0: you know it's changing right before like I said we just gotta keep up with the time you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying stay relevant you know through that through all that ups and downs and stuff
1: and change but yeah man so what's next for you man um. So I think what's next for me is actually what's next for you as well. <laughs> that was like that's one right. of that was like one of those things in comics. Comics Unleashed. Yeah. With yeah, Byron yeah. Allen, he he already they already know the question that's coming up, but he asks like, "So what do you got going on?" Yeah. yeah, yeah but he's already set up for. <laughs> but it. He already set up for it. Um. But basically, me and this guy right here, we shot a pilot. It's called L.A. Connect. Mm-hmm. Uh. And it's 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 interesting, man. It's basically uh about a, a ring of LA drug dealers posing as Uber drivers. <laughs> but so, you know, it, it's, it was a lot of fun to shoot. Uh, we shot it at Harvest Studios, shout out Bentley Evans, uh, Joe. Yeah, Joe Joseph Owens, man. Joseph Owens, who, who directed us and, and also wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's gonna be fun, man. I mean, you heard what I said, that's exactly what it's about yeah yeah our scene
0: was more in the uh in the construction worker environment. I was actually the the hiring manager at that point, and um they him and the other uh lead they wanted to get a job from me, so I did the whole interview process it was It was pretty entertaining. I can't wait for you guys to see it l a connect is coming out soon, so I'll definitely keep you posted on that release date when it is. For sure, for sure. So where can the people follow you, man, so they can keep up with everything you got
1: going on? Hit me up on social media, Corey fucking Fernandez, Corey with no E, fucking with no G, (laughs) Fernandez. Straight like that. Well, my brother, Corey, again, it was a pleasure having you. <laughs> yeah,
0: he liked, he liked the fist bump. You know? I shake hands. It's all good. Yeah, but no, like I said, it was a pleasure having you. Like I said, man, I've been a fan of your work for a very long time. Thank you, man. I'm Appreciate proud of you representing it. us Latinos and really making us stand out, making us proud. You know what I'm saying? And I'm proud of you, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay focused. Stay hungry. Stay humble. And keep going for it, man. I'm riding with you to the end, my brother. NY in the building, BKBX. All day, every day, man. Twice on Sunday, er? <laughs> Dr. Banky and TTV, I'm your host Johnny Vegas, and I'm out. Yeah. I want to be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a million every week. I want to be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a Billy every week. I want to be a billionaire. Billionaire, I want to be a billionaire there hey. hey. hey.